Good morning. As David said, I get the privilege of preaching God's Word this morning. And before I do that, let me adjust these mics or these stands. And let me open us in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we ask that in this time you would incline our hearts to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. We ask that you would open our eyes so that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. We ask that you would teach us your way, O Lord, that we would walk in your truth and that you would unite our hearts to fear your name. And Lord, we ask that you would satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. I have a question that we're going to think about this morning, and that question is, what comforts you? Uh, with the new year, 2022, just beginning, many people take this time to reflect on the past year. Uh, they think about what they want to change, uh, the things that they want to do, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, in fact, uh, I encourage you even now to, to reflect over this last year. Consider what it is that uh, the circumstances you find yourself in, maybe the difficult ones that you're going through even right now. Uh, maybe it's the responsibilities that you have had, the responsibilities that you hope to have in the new year, or maybe the responsibilities that you've failed to keep up with. Maybe you're discouraged with where you're at in life. Maybe it's the sinfulness in your own heart that you're discouraged by, or it's the sin of others who, that have been committed against you. Maybe your health is fading or it's the health of your loved ones. Maybe you're frustrated with this pandemic and disappointed that we're having to meet outside again. Uh, or maybe it's the fact that you're even hindered from coming to church and you have to watch us through a screen. Or maybe things have gone well for you and thinking about these types of things is kind of unsettling and bringing you some anxiety. Well, in all these things, what comforts you? Or to think about it another way, when someone you know, maybe even the person sitting next to you, is going through these types of things, what do you tell them to bring them comfort? For many, the new year brings comfort, comfort in new possibilities, new opportunities for change a chance to leave behind what's in the past and to look forward to better things. But this morning we find in God's word a message of comfort, but this comfort comes not from new possibilities or opportunities for change, but it comes in the one who is unchanging. So please turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 9 through 11. Again, that's Isaiah 40 verses 9 through 11. And if you don't have a Bible, the passage can be found in the bulletin uh, that was sent out. Uh, if you don't have the bulletin, you can ask the person next to you and they can send it to you. But as you turn there, let me give you some context to set the stage. Uh, the book of Isaiah is one of the books known as the major prophets. 
Isaiah is not a major prophet because he's more significant or more important than the other prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, but the major prophets are categorized as such simply because of the size of their books. Their, their books are larger than the minor prophets. And this book written by Isaiah is a book about hope. But in chapter 9 through 36, it tells of the siege of Jerusalem by the Assyrians, and which threatens the hope of all the peoples of Judah. And at this time, the people of God are under the king Hezekiah. And he was a good king. But we find in chapter 39 that King Hezekiah has forgotten God's promises and instead has chosen to trust in the power of man in the Babylonians. And as a result, Isaiah gives a prophecy, and it reads in Isaiah 39, 5-7, Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your father have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons, who, you, who, who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So we he, see here that there are consequences for Hezekiah's unfaithfulness. The prophet Isaiah foretells that the people of Judah will be held captive under the Babylonians, the very people they turn to trust in. This is, this is not good news. Uh, in fact, this is a disastrous situation that they find themselves in. But right on the heels of this message of disaster in chapter 39, we find a message of comfort. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, there's a call, a command. that says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And as this call goes out, there's a reply what is this word of comfort? Follow along as I read our passage for this morning. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 9 through 11. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. The main idea for this morning is this. Christian, take comfort in your compassionate God. Christian, take comfort in your compassionate God. We'll have three points for this morning. Point number one, comforting cry. Point number two, comforting character. And point number three, cultivating comfort. If you're taking notes, we'll walk through each of those points and I'll repeat them again as we go through it. But point number one, comforting cry. Starting in verse nine, if you look there, We'll simply walk through this verse. Notice that we aren't really told who this messenger is. Um, who is answering this call to bring comfort to God's people? We, see that, we just see that it's a herald of good news. So, so more important than who this messenger is, is the message that, this, that they're bringing. This message of comfort. 
And this message is to be given not just from anywhere, not just from a mountain, but a high mountain, so that all people far and wide can hear this message. And this herald should lift up his voice, this message with strength and without fear, but with boldness. And what cry is then lifted up from the top of this high mountain? What is this message of comfort declared to the people of God? It's not opportunity for change. Uh, It's not a different outlook on their situation. Look there at the end of verse 9. It's clear, plain, just three words. Behold your God. So point number one, what is this comforting cry, this declaration, this message of comfort for the people of God? It's to behold, to look, to set your eyes on, to lay hold of your God. It's point number two, comforting character. We see in verse 10 and 11 an explanation of this message of comfort. Behold your God. Verse 10 and 11 read, Behold, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So this message of comfort, behold our God, is comforting because of who God is. We see here in these verses, God is described as a God of power. He is coming to deliver them with power and might. As as the Bible speaks of his arm, the arm is a symbol of strength and power. When you want to show that you're strong, what do you do? You flex. You flex your arms to show that you're strong. Uh, So when 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 it talks about God's arm rules for him, he's ruling with power and in strength. Nothing can take away God's rule and reign from him. Nothing is strong enough to oppose God or to stand against him. But notice that as mighty as he is, there's nothing ruthless in God's power. In fact, towards God's people, he wields his power in love. Just as a shepherd does for his sheep. You see there in verse 11, God is described as a shepherd. It says he will tend, he tends his flock like a shepherd, right? He cares for them. He will gather the lambs in his arms. The the same arm that, that rules with strength and power is the same arm that gathers his lambs in his arms, right? He's strong enough to guard and to protect them. He will carry them in his bosom, close to his heart. Gently lead those that are with young. He's mindful, watchful of their particular needs. These are all things that are motivated by love and compassion. And like we read from from John 10 earlier, as one commentator wrote, whatever the shepherd must do for his sheep, that the Lord will do for his own, for he is the good shepherd. So when the people of Judah hear this message of, Behold your God, they take comfort and they can take comfort because as they behold God, they behold God's character, his strength, his sovereign rule. Though they may find themselves in exile or in captivity, 
they, they know that nothing can thwart God from keeping his promises. All right, who is so mighty that they can stand against God? No one. And as they behold God, they, they take comfort because they know that he is a loving and caring shepherd who tends his flock. He doesn't neglect them. He doesn't leave them to fend for themselves. But he gathers them in his arms. And in his arms, nothing is strong enough to take them away. He carries them in his bosom. God's people have a place in his heart. He cherishes them. He deals with them gently and leads them gently, providing for the weak, catering to their particular needs, those that are with young. So again, I ask you, as, as you consider your life, as you reflect on this last year, what comforts you? If you are in need of comfort, behold, here it is. It's in God, the one who cares for his people like a good, loving shepherd tends to his sheep. But notice the possessive language here. Behold, your God, he will tend his flock. This message of comfort isn't really all that comforting unless God is your God and you are part of his flock. So if you're here as, and you know yourself as uh, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, or maybe you're here and you're unfamiliar with the Christian message, we're so glad that you've come. Uh, part of the reason that we as a church exist is to help you come to, cl- come to grips and understand the claims of Jesus Christ, and then to come to term with those claims. And we want to help anyone, wherever you're at, to do that. And so if you want to have this comfort, if you want to be part of his flock, then God must be your God. Now, to be clear, I don't mean that he is to be your God in the sense that um, he does what you want him to do or that he bends to your will. It's clear from verse 10 that that's, that's not who God is. But God must be your God in that you must submit to the God of the Bible, to his rule and to his reign. But the problem is that just as the people of Judah are in this disastrous situation of looming captivity because they chose to trust in man rather than in God, so we all are in a disastrous situation because we are captive to our own sin. Rather than following God's rule and reign, we have sinned and rebelled against God. We have chosen to reject God by choosing to do things our own way, to to doing things what to doing what's right in our own eyes. And the grave reality is this captivity leads to death and internal punishment, internal separation from God in hell. But there is a message of comfort for us. This is the gospel, the good news, that behold God in his compassion for us sent his son to come and deliver us from our captivity. Jesus Christ came, lived the perfect life, submitting to God's rule as we should have, and in his mercy and grace, died on the cross in our place. And three days later, with power and might, rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. And in taking our punishment on himself, he's made forgiveness and pardon for sin available to all who would trust in him, and follow him and live under his rule and reign.
So those who are his flock, those whom God loves and cares and tends to like a sheep does, like a shepherd does his sheep, they are those who turn away from their sins and put their trust in Christ. So friend, you do not have to be left captive to your sin. You can find forgiveness and pardon for your sin. You can be part of his flock. You can receive this eternal comfort now if you repent and trust in Christ, our good shepherd. Beloved of God, does, does this comfort you? Is this the comfort that you hold out to others? Are you comforted by the fact that God cares for you like a shepherd cares for his sheep? As you consider your life, reflect on this past year. Is beholding God what brings you comfort? Or do you wish that there was something more or, or something else to this, this message? Behold your God and a change of circumstances. Behold a spouse, children, family. Behold a job, lots of pay, benefits, job security. Behold health, wealth, and happiness. No more suffering. No more sickness. No more COVID. Behold the fast track to a sinless life. Behold no more waiting. Uh, For us as a church, behold a, a senior pastor who will solve everything. Beloved, no matter your circumstances, take comfort in nothing but God himself. For he does not change. He is a compassionate God towards his very own people. So if our comfort comes not from change or opportunities for change, but in God and his unchanging character, then I think our heart should yearn and desire to want to draw near to behold this God. And so to that end, point number three, cultivating comfort. How can we cultivate this comfort that comes from beholding and setting our eyes on and laying hold of our God? Well, let me encourage you in two ways. First, to behold our God in the gospel. And second, to behold our God in the church. So first, behold our God in the gospel. The gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ, is the message that not only brings us into the fold of God's flock, but it's also the message that we must regularly take comfort in because it helps us to understand who we are in light of who God is. So behold our God by preaching the gospel to yourself daily. Rehearse the gospel to yourself and to others. And as you do so, remind yourself of the love of God, the love that God holds out to you in Christ. Remind yourself of God's character, his holiness, his righteousness. Remind yourself of his steadfast love and his compassion and his mercy and kindness and grace. Remind yourself of the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who, as we read in John 10, says that I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. David understands this well in Psalm 23, as he meditates on the presence and the power and the promises of God. 
He takes comfort and is able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So let me encourage you, meditate on Psalm 23 and do it for a long time. Memorize it. Keep the truth that the Lord is your shepherd close by. Hide it in your heart so that when you're tempted to take comfort in anything else, you can declare like David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In him we lack nothing. After you've memorized Psalm 23, find other verses and passages that can readily remind you uh, to behold God and remind yourself of this good news of the gospel. Maybe it's this passage in Isaiah 40. Or maybe you choose to memorize Romans 8 on how Christ's sacrifice secures us in his love. Maybe it's Ephesians 2, or rather the entire book of Ephesians, uh, that speaks of the mercy and grace of God and salvation and what it means for our lives. Maybe memorizing a book of the Bible is a goal that you set for yourself this year so that you can steep your heart in who God is as he reveals himself in scripture. If you want a helpful resource on memorizing scripture, you can search on Google Andy Davis scripture memorization. Andy Davis scripture memorization. Andy Davis is a pastor in North Carolina, and he's written a helpful resource on the importance of and and how to approach memorizing extended portions of scripture. He himself has memorized, I think, over half of the Bible. Um, I've, I've found his approach helpful, and so I commend this resource to you as well. Now, even as you regularly preach the Bible or preach the gospel to yourself daily, there may be times where you're tempted to take comfort in something else. And there may be times where it may seem like God is not tending to you as his sheep that he isn't really caring for you. Maybe you can identify with the sentiments of the people of Judah as they say later in Isaiah, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by God. Friend, if this is you now, I want you to know that God does not abandon his people. Take these words from Charles Spurgeon to heart. He says, God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. Beloved, we may not always know what God is doing, but we can always trust his heart. As we've seen that this is the heart of God. He he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. If you're tempted to doubt his heart toward you, look to the gospel and see his love and care for you fully displayed on the cross. Pray and ask for help to trust his heart. Beloved, behold our God in the gospel. Second, behold our God in the church. If the gospel is where God's love is displayed as it brings people into the flock, then the church is where, God's, where, where the gospel is then made visible, where we as Christians glorify God as we interact and live and conduct our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. 
and we represent Christ to each other and the watching world. That means that the local church is one way that God tends to his flock. So I want to highlight two areas where we can behold God and his love for us in the local church. First, we can behold our God in the church and in its gathering. Did you know that uh, each of our services has a theme? As the elders plan the services, there's a theme that revolves around something that we can learn about God and who he is. Did you catch the theme for this morning? Ian mentioned it as he welcomed us, uh, that we gather this morning to worship our compassionate God. Hopefully you've been able to trace that theme throughout this service. This theme, and the theme is different every week. So every Lord's Day, we get the chance to come and learn and worship and behold a different aspect of God as we hear the call to worship, as we read scripture together, as we pray together. And at the pinnacle of each service, as we listen to a sermon, we hear from God himself as he reveals himself through his very own word. And then on the first Sunday of every month, just as, we, just as this Sunday, as we take the Lord's Supper together as a church, we remind each other and get to be reminded of God's compassion for his people and what Christ has done for us in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so as we do all these things together, we have an opportunity to behold our God in the church and its gathering. So when you come on Sundays... Do you come ready, expectant, longing to behold more of God? I pray that that would be the posture of our hearts. Lastly, we can behold our God in the church and its members. God tends to his flock as he gives church members to care and serve and help one another follow Jesus, our chief shepherd. Right, that's essentially what we do as we fulfill our church covenant. We hold, out to God, we hold out God to one another when we live at our church covenant because we know that we are not in our own strength or ability sufficient to do that on our own. Which is why when we renew our covenant with each other, as we will in a few minutes, we say that we rely on his gracious aid as we solemnly and joyfully renew our covenant with each other. So in the ways that we're able to live out our covenant, we ultimately point to the one who, in his gracious aid, enables us to do so. And in all these things, we're, we're like a mirror reflecting God and his character to one another. Right? As we exercise a Christian care and watchfulness over each other, is it not God who is watchful over us? We reflect his holiness as we warn, rebuke, and admonish one another. Because God cares about our holiness. He cares about our purity and that we would not walk in sin. As we endeavor by example and effort to win souls to Christ, it's God's very own heart to see people saved and not perish. As we contribute cheerfully, is it not God who, who so generously gives and provides for us? Not only do we point and reflect God to one another as members, but in fulfilling our church covenant, we also get to behold God as we get a seat to see how God is at work in each other's lives. 
So while I don't know exactly what's going on in all of your lives, the sins that you may wrestle with and fight against, the circumstances you find yourselves in, whether, whether good or bad, what it looks like for you to walk by faith and trust in the Lord, I do know those things for some of you. And in seeking to live out our church covenant with you, I get to hear and see how God in his love is caring for you as his sheep and tending to you as his own. And so then I'm encouraged to trust in him because I get to see that the God who is caring for you is the God who cares for me. The Lord who is your shepherd is the Lord who is my shepherd. So let me encourage you to continue to strive to live out our church covenant together. Pick out one line that you want to give yourself to living out this week by God's grace. Maybe it's working and praying for the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And so you want to give yourself to praying through a page of the church directory uh, every day. If you don't have a church directory, you can contact Lydia and she can get one for you. Then maybe next week or next month, you move on to thinking about how you can contribute cheerfully and regularly, or how you can participate in someone's joys, so on and so forth. Do you behold something of God and His care as you see members live out the church covenant? Are there members that encourage you in the way that they reflect God and His character? Tell them. Encourage them so that they might do so all the more. Do you yourself aspire to be the kind of member who reflects God's own character to those around you? I pray that that's our heart posture. Beloved, behold our God in the church. We could go on thinking about ways, other ways that we can behold our God. Maybe that's something you discuss over lunch today. But we should conclude. Here we are in the new year. We don't really know what this year will hold. But we can take comfort because here in Isaiah and in all of Scripture, it tells us to behold our God. Who is this God? He's a God who will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So Christian, take comfort in your compassionate God. Our God loves his people as a shepherd does his sheep. And we see this evidence in the gospel and in the church. And so no matter our circumstances that we find ourselves in this year, we can find comfort and entrust our souls to him. Let's pray together. Jesus Christ, we praise you as our good shepherd. We praise you for being a shepherd who cares for us, who provides and gently leads us. We praise you for being a shepherd who loves us, even to the point of laying your life down for us. Knowing that you are our shepherd, we pray that you would help us to then follow you, to trust in you and to hope in you, and to find comfort in you. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen.